my worst enemy The flesh that's covering me Brings me down to my knees Welcome to Sermons in the Park a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. I want to thank you again for joining me here and being part of our weekly sermons. Um... Yes, we are back to doing the Genesis sermons today. Uh, once again, though, as you can see, this is the uh, audio on top of uh, just the logo. If you're over on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, of course, you don't notice that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we're going to get back to doing these. We're, we're, we're really close to finishing up Genesis um, this week we're in chapter 42, but before we begin, let's out do as we always do and bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts He's given us. Heavenly Father, we come to you like we always do here each and every week just to say thank you. We thank you for all the things that you've done. We thank you for the gift of air, the gift of food, the gift of drink. You know, we without you, Father, we would not be able to raise our heads off the bed, off of our pillows in the mornings, and do go throughout our day. You give us each and everything that we have. Your, the heavens, as your word, as your word says, proclaims your glory. And we thank you. We thank you for everything, Father, from the from the from the deepest pits of the earth to the highest points of heaven it's all yours and we thank you for allowing us to even be a part of that we're just a we're just a speck of sand on this tiny little marble and we thank you we thank you in the name of your son jesus who died so long ago so that we can have this close relationship with you and we thank you lord in his name amen so before we begin um i just want to address that yes i was laid off from my job due to the uh, UAW strike. Um, so probably wherever you're at down below, you should see. I, I set up a GoFundMe to help me and my wife and children pay our bills. Um, because, um, you know, as I'm waiting for unemployment and everything, I this isn't something that I've ever had to deal with. So if you're willing to help out, you know, please do. It doesn't matter what little you give. Anything helps. You're, even if you're just, even if you're not able to give, you know, share the link somewhere. Help us out. Um, it's just, you know, this, this is a hard time on everyone. This, this UAW strike is affecting us all. And then, of course, we have the attacks that took place in Israel by the hands of Islamic terrorists. You know, it, it's this whole world. It, it, the, the, the signs are here. You know, we've already had the the, the Israelites have that that Yav, Rav Shlomo Yehuda, who uh, although they have not come out and rightly claimed as the Messiah, you know, there's him and he's done and he supposedly has done miracles. We've had the drying up of the Euphrates River, and now we have uh, is you know Jerusalem's at war again. Uh, the signs are here, so keep your eyes open, and again look to the heavens. 
Um, but back to what we're here for, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 42. Um, in this chapter, you know, we, we're, we're going back to Jacob this time, okay? And what we see is that, uh, you know, the family has been paralyzed because of that famine that's taken place. Uh, now, as we read, we see Jacob is very reluctant uh, to allow his family to go into Egypt. Um, he didn't know what would happen if he went down there, right? But what other choice did he honestly have? You know, there, there was no other choice. So what we read is that he dispatches, you know, he, he dispatches his sons, uh, tells them to, to go down to Egypt to buy grain. Uh, so let's go read Genesis chapter 42. We're going to read the entire chapter, verse 1 all the way to verse 38. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their face to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. I'm taking a drink real quick. And they said unto him, verse 10, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, 
This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your, your houses. But bring your youngest brethren to me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them, and wept, and returned to them again, and commanded with them, or, I'm sorry, and communed with them, and took from them Simeon, and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn, and to restore every man's money unto his sack, and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn, and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack, and gave his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, For is th is this that God, what is this that God hath done with unto us? And they came unto ja Jacob their father, unto the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us, and took us for spies. Of the country, and we said unto him, We are true men, we are not spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, one is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. And bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and ye shall traf traffic in the land. And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. And Reuben said it, spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. He is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in the in the which you go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now we're going to do like we do each time. Well, like we used to do before we took the little break and doing the, the subjects. We always go back, right? 
and we reread that first verse. So when we reread the first verse, what do we read? Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? So right at the beginning we see, Now Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt. Meaning that he could go down there and buy corn, right? Because, yeah, there was, and again, I want to make sure we go back because we may have picked up new followers by now. But when we see corn in the Bible, that's talking about wheat. Because the word corn just means grain of the land. Because the corn that we know now, uh, which is really called maize, okay, we call it corn because it's the grain of the land. That There was no corn over in that hemisphere. That was, an, that was only over here in the Americas. But let's get back to what we were talking about. Because, like I said, yeah, there was grain there, but unless you could buy it, it was not of any use to you. Okay? That is why when you look at the Septuagint, what you'll find is that it says this. It says, there was grain to be sold there. Now, we'll never know how Jacob learned about this. Uh, I think that it could have been he saw people coming by and they had grain and he must have just kind of asked them about it. Or maybe one of his sons asked about it. Either way it happened, um, he found out about it. How he found out is just one of those things that's not important. If it was, you know the Bible would make it clear to us. All we know is that somehow or another he got a report that there was to be there that there was corn that, that he could go to Egypt and buy. Some of the Jewish writers, uh, like Jarkey, they believe that uh, he must have seen it by some revelation of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, going back to the verse, it says, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? Meaning why, why are they looking at each other like they're surprised or, or distressed or, or despaired? Um, you know, the brothers didn't know what to do. You know, what should they do? How should, what, what course of action should they take? You know, which way are we going to turn, if you will? It seems they, they, were, they weren't even speaking to one another or, or consulting one another about it. Um, I, believe, I believe this because... I do not think that he's asking them, you know, hey, why are you looking all, you know, you know, all throughout Canaan when you know there's no grain there? That's what I think. You know, we need to look where we know that it is, right? That's like looking, go, <laughs> we all do it. We all go back to the refrigerator when we know there's nothing in there. You know, we'll, we'll go look in the refrigerator. We don't see this, anything we want to snack on. Shut the door, go back to our chair. And later we'll get up, go back in there, open the refrigerator door, look in there. You know, we do that over and over again, right? So, anyway, uh, let's look at verse 2. And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us for, from thence, that we may live and not die. Look at that. It says, And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Do you see? This shows us what it meant by he saw, right? And then we see this. Get ye down thither. He's telling them, don't wait. Go go right now. Go down there as fast as you can. Get to Egypt, you know. Now, Egypt is, of course, south of Canaan. That's why we see him say go down. 
Um, this is something we see over and over again in the Bible. Uh, we, when it's talking about north, it'll say go up. If it's, if it's south, to go down. Just look at Genesis chapter 45, verse 25. I'm using the Bible app right now, guys. That's what that's why I'm not talking. I'm trying to Genesis chapter forty five, verse twenty five. I kinda like the new design. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father. Now when they're in Egypt, uh, and they head to Canaan, you saw right there, it says, go up. Now, the verse continues on. It says, and buy for, buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. This shows us, honestly, when you look at that, he's saying, go get it so we won't die. This shows us just how bad that famine really was in Canaan. If they didn't go get that grain, they were going to die. Right, and it also shows us that the that the fortune of Egypt that had spread out. People knew about it. His family now had word of Egypt's fortune. There's food there for them to go buy. The only thing that was important now for them was food. Remember this: by this time, they had nothing. I mean, they heard nothing. They didn't hear anything from from Joseph. The brothers. I honestly believe that the brothers thought, you know, after they sold Joseph into slavery, you know, he was dead. Or or maybe they even forgot they sold him. You know, well, I should say into Egypt. Not that they forgot they sold him, but I think they forgot they sold him into Egypt. And we already know that Joseph thought, or Jacob, Jacob thought Joseph was dead. They, that, that... As far as we know, he never found out by this point that Joseph was sold into slavery, right? So they think Joseph, all of them by this point, think Joseph is dead. Now let's read verse 3. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. Read that part, read, read that whole thing again. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. So you know, he told them to go, and of course the sons, they all did what their father told them to do. They went down into Egypt. Now, did you notice? It says ten, so only ten of them went. Ten of them went down there together. All of them except for, and my wife's looking at me, Benjamin. <laughs> that, you know, it's easier to know which ones went, right? Also, they're not called Jacob's sons either, even though they are. We see them called Joseph's brethren. The brethren that sold him into slavery. Also, you know, we see the ones that are going, uh, you know, even though they did not know it, right? They're going to see Joseph. Think of it this way. They'll, they'll have to 
bow down. They'll have to yield to Joseph in obedience, right? Verse 4. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. We see his name here, right? Benjamin. We read about him back in Genesis 35, verses 16 and 19. I'm liking this update. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephraim. And Rachel travailed, and she was in hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not. Thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried by the way in Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Benjamin, uh, if you remember, Benjamin is the youngest of Jacob's sons. He didn't have any more after this that we read about. He's also the second son of Rachel, who was, as you know, Jacob's most beloved wife, his favorite, his, his lawful wife, if you will. And that made Benjamin Jacob's favorite son, because Joseph was, as far as he knew, dead. I'm sure that the quote-unquote mischief that Jacob would have, you know, was afraid would happen was based on what happened to Joseph. Because he didn't want something like that to happen to Benjamin as well. Now, when I think of Joseph testing his brothers, you know, it's hard for us to determine his true motivation. Well, his true, I shouldn't say motivation, his true motives. There are some people who think that Joseph could not have been acting vindictively. Right? That he was just engaging in some probing and some testing but when you look at joseph's manners and and, and, you know as well as you know how many times he puts his brothers through right test i should say it to me it gives me the impression that you know joseph was honestly trying to humble his brothers verse five the sons of israel came to buy corn among those that came for for the famine was in the land of Canaan. It says, And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came. This could have been, you know, among anyone. You know, there were Egyptians there, right? Uh, There were also people from all the countries that were surrounding. But most likely, this is the Canaanites. That's what the Targum of Jonathan says. They probably joined with these, you know, Canaanites on the road to Egypt. And and they all went to the market to buy corn, right? The verse says, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. This would, of course, lead all of the inhabitants of the land, uh, which would, of course, include, you know, Jacob's family, to go and look for it elsewhere. The corn, I mean. This also confirms what I said, too. Because, you see... Canaan was truly a a very fruitful and fertile land, but when God withholds his blessing, uh, it it becomes barren. 
just like it had been before. Take a look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. This, of course, would try the faith of these good men that God gave the land to. And it would wean their hearts from being set on it, right? It would set their minds to, hey, I've got to find better country, which is what we see them doing. Think of this story, how this is a surprising turn of events here. What do we see? We see these brothers of Joseph who had, you know, not long before sold him into slavery, and here they are coming for help. You got 10 brothers. And for my numerology buffs, that stands for what? The world government. Jacob, he, he lost his favorite son before, and like I said, he's not willing to risk Benjamin, his new favorite. Bear in mind also that, that Hebrews did not like dealing with Egyptians at this time, if they had a choice. Let's look at verse 6. And Joseph was the governor of the land. Oh, I'm sorry. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Look. Look at what these brothers are doing here. It says that they bowed down. Not a single one of them at, the, at this time realized it. But right here, what we're seeing is one, that, that, that dream that Joseph had coming true. Let's flip back and look at that again. Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 to 8. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. A lot of people like to look at this and they'll debate. Right? Didn't the brothers recognize him? And there are several reasons. Number one, by this point, it's been 15 years since they sold Joseph, who, who at that time was a teenager, into slavery. And by this point, Joseph is an adult. Right? Number two, Joseph had all the appearances of an Egyptian by this point. He's dressed like an Egyptian. His hair is cut like an Egyptian. He is dressed in the style of an Egyptian. And number three, he treated them like strangers. There was no sign with him that, that he knew who they were. We'll see that in the next two verses, won't we? And then finally, number four, as I said earlier, they thought Joseph was dead by this point. We'll discuss that more when we get to verse 13, but the fact that we read of them bowing down themselves before him, 
makes me think of that dream and how it's being fulfilled. How the brothers did their best to keep that dream from happening. Let's go back to chapter 37, verses 5 to 11. We'll read the whole thing again. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And here's where we stopped earlier. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shalt I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying right here, that dream that Joseph had about the stars bowing down to him, that came true. When God sends us a dream, you know, it might not always come true. Not instantly, anyway. But they will. If, and let me make sure you understand this, if they are truly from God, they will come true. It might not be instantly, but it will happen. Right here, look how long it's been for, since Joseph had that dream. But it came true, didn't it? Alright, verse 7. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spoke roughly unto them, and he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. Right there, do you see that? And Joseph saw his brethren. He looked up. He saw his brothers, right? They were there with all the rest of the people from his home country buying corn. He saw them. They, they prostrated themselves to him. The verse says, And he knew them. They were all they, they were already men when they sold him, right? The brothers were already adults. They had beards and everything. The way they dressed, the way they carried themselves, none of that had changed. And then it says this, but made himself stranger to them. He did not show them any sign that he knew who they were. What Joseph did was he acted like the rest of the Egyptians did. And the verse says this, and spake roughly unto them, he spoke hard to them, you know, hard words. He, he acted stern. He spoke with a high tone in a rough, surly manner. And the verse says, And he said unto them, Whence come ye? He asked them, Who are you? What country did you come from? What's your business here? Right? The verse says, And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. They could not get the food that they needed back in Canaan, right? Like we already discussed, the famine was, was really hitting them hard there. And don't forget this. Joseph was only 17 when he sold him, when they sold him to the to, into Egypt. I bet you he looked completely different. And also, like I said he, we, earlier, he's not dressed like a Hebrew. 
He probably he he not only would he have dressed like an Egyptian, but his hair was cut like an Egyptian. And we all know that as we mature, we start to look different, especially from the ages of seventeen to thirty-seven. If Joseph wanted to, Joseph could have thrown them in jail, justly. But he didn't, did he? Even if his brothers thought they could possibly see Joseph. They would not have expected to find him as a ruler, would they? Verse 8, what do we read? And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him, or knew not him. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. Like I said earlier, it's been about 22 years at this point. You know, back when they sold Joseph... He was young. I bet he didn't even have a beard at that point. And now here he was. You also have to remember that Joseph is dressed as a prince here. Because they, we read he was put into into kingly garbs. And he's, he, he's learned how to speak Egyptian at this point. So he's probably speaking the Egyptian language. And them seeing him in such grandeur and such splendor... You know, having all of this power, all of this authority, having all these people attending to him, they never would have thought that this was Joseph. Not to mention they thought he was dead. They had heard nothing of Joseph since he left. There's no way that they would think that boy that they sold as a slave would grow up to be a governor over Egypt. Again, let me say this. We're seeing another shadow of Jesus here. Jesus' brethren rejected him. They cast him out. When he comes back, ev the Bible tells us every knee will bow. The Bible makes sure we understand when Jesus comes back, he will be king of kings, lord of lords. His physical family will not recognize him. That's why we see that description. But, Spiritual Israel will know him. Now, from here until verse 22, I want you to pay really close attention because we're going to see the final evaluation of the brothers after they are in prison for three days because they protested the charge of espionage. And they hear the royal criterion for their innocence. All right? In verse 15... And verse 20, they also show that they have a guilty conscience. And that they understand that vengeance is due for what they did to Joseph. In verses 21 and 22. Now, all of this, after the claim to be what? Honest men, in verse 10. That's not very honest, is it? Now, let's look at verse 9. And Joseph remembered the dream which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And Joseph, so right there we see, And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Joseph did in fact remember those dreams that he had back when he was a boy. The ones that showed his brothers bowing down to him. That was back in uh, chapter 37, verse 9. And he sees here that they're coming true. 
that they're bowing down. They're prostrating themselves before him. This helped him to remember those dreams about those sheaves making obeisance to him. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars doing the same thing. Back in 37 verse 7. The verse says this, And said unto them, Ye are spies. Now let's back up. Let's look at that part again. Because as you know, Joseph knew who they were. He knew that they're not spies. He's not asserting that belief. He, what he did was he, he did this to, to test them, to try them. He wanted to see what they had to say for themselves. As well as he wanted to lead them into discourse. To get knowledge, if you will. What's going on with dad? What's going on with Benjamin, my brother? Are they alive? He didn't know any of that. He, he deals with them like a judge from a bench. One who's examining someone who's being charged. This one was what? Ye are spies. If they cannot give a better account of themselves, he has to treat them like they are spies. He says, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. He's saying that they came there to try to find a weakness in the defenses and the fortifications. That way they would be able to invade the land. And think about it. I'm sure that Egyptians were very suspicious of their neighbors, especially at this point. Because all of the neighbors are in distress. All of them had heard about the corn. So, <coughs> I'm sure that they were worried that, hey, our neighbors might try to come and take it by force. So, there might have been a reason for foreigners, you know, who, who came to buy corn, you know. And we see that they were brought you know, before Joseph, so that Joseph could be the one to examine him. So, this is probably something that not just his brothers, Joseph had done in the past. So, let's look at verse 10. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. It says, And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord. I think that this was one of the brothers speaking here the group you know instead of like all 10 of them speaking it's just one of them and he's saying that hey no we're not spies notice how he addresses joseph with the greatest reverence with the greatest submission calls him their lord and again this accomplishes that dream doesn't it we see they said but to buy food are thy servants come and that was the only reason that they came there Right? Verse 11. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. We are one man's sons. They're saying this to try to show that they're not spies. It's very unlikely that a single family would do what, you know, Joseph is accusing them of doing. Or that one man would send his sons to be spies. Especially all of them. Because that that's dangerous. You know. It, it, if they're caught. They would be arrested. Or even worse. Killed. So it would be you know more likely that a, multiple families would be involved in something like this. So them saying they're, you know, they're one family. 
You know, spies would be multiple families, not together, you know. But as different parts of a kingdom, that way they could, you know, check out the whole kingdom, looking for the best places to do it. The verse says, we are true men. They're speaking the truth. They said they only came there to buy corn. They're being honest. They're being upright. They're being sincere. They did not lie. The verse says, Thy servants are no spies. They're, they're expressing this in the strongest way possible. The fullest of assurance. They, they detested that they were even being called spies. Who can argue that they are getting what they deserve though? Again, we see, we see shadows of Jesus here. Because Jesus fed the multitude. Joseph is here doing what? Feeding the multitudes. Verse 12. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And he said unto them, Nay. He, he's just not buying it, right? He wanted them to prove that they were being honest. He says, To see the nakedness of the land ye are come. He's, again, he's saying that they came there because they wanted knowledge of you know, the, 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 the country. But Joseph is saying this because he wanted to know more, you know, how is my family doing? How's, how's dad? How's Benjamin? Verse 13. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And thy servants said, I'm sorry. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren. Notice that word are. That should really be were, because let's remember, all twelve are not there. And then the verse says this, The sons of one man in the land of Canaan. This, of course, is again speaking about Jacob here. Jacob lived in Canaan. They're saying this, they're, they're saying this because they're wanting him to see how impossible it would be for them to be spies. And then they say, And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. This, of course, is Benjamin. And I'm sure that Joseph wanted to hear more about Benjamin. I bet you anything he was glad to hear that Benjamin was alive and his father as well. And not that not only that, but they're they're back home in Canaan together. And then the verse says, and one is not. This well, this is them saying that one of them is dead. Like I said, they probably think that Joseph is dead at this point. That's what we see in verse 22. But there's Joseph standing before them, speaking to them. Think about how that must have felt for Joseph to hear, to know they, they mean him. Because he would know that, right? Verse 14. And Joseph said it to them, That is it, that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are Spies And Joseph says unto them, That is it, that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. He's saying that proves it. They, they first acted like they were the only sons. That's what they said. There's no other sons. And right there they said that they're speaking of twelve. They're saying one's at home with their father. 
since he sent so many sons, why didn't he send all of them? Why would they only leave one back at home? That's what Joseph's getting at here. Verse 15. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh, ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Joseph says it. He says, hereby ye shall be proved. He's about to tell them what they will need to do to prove they're not spies. They will produce that younger brother who is supposedly at home with their father. That's what he says. He says, by the life of Pharaoh. Ooh. I think he says this to, to, to mask who he was. To keep them, you know, grasping, keep them, I should say, from grasping the significance of his declaration. Like we see in verse 18 where it says, I fear God. This was a custom at the time. You see, by the life of the, you swear by the life of the king, by the head of the king. That actually continued until the time of Abinezra. I read that. But some take it to be a wish or a prayer for the life of Pharaoh. They say it should say, may Pharaoh live. Others, again, they take it to be a strong declaration, saying that as, a, you know, as the dear Pharaoh is, you know, it's, by saying that, he's saying the Pharaoh is very dear to him. So they are not allowed to leave until Benjamin is brought to him. The verse then says this, Except your youngest brother come hither. Joseph, that's what he wanted. He wanted to see if the brothers had done something to Joseph. Something similar to what they did to him. That's what he's wanting to see. So let's look at verse 16. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother. And ye shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved. Whether there be any truth in you, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. He says, send one of you, let him fetch your brother. He's saying that one of you can go, go back to Jacob, get Benjamin, bring him down here so I can see him. Okay? And then the verse says, and ye shall be kept in prison. The rest of them... While that one is gone, we'll have to remain there until, you know, that one comes back with Benjamin. This whole thing about being put in prison causes them to discuss the guilt for what they did to Joseph. Part of me thinks that this was the real purpose for Joseph testing them. Because notice what he says. Look at his words here. That your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. To me, this makes it sound like he wanted to see if they're being honest. If they brought Benjamin, they were good men. They were truthful, right? The verse says, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. If they didn't go get Benjamin and bring him back, they're not honest. And they claim to be honest. And if that's true, then they did not come here to buy corn. They came here with ill intentions on their mind. Right? Verse 17. And he put them all together into ward three 
days, and he put them all together in ward three days. He put them in that jail cell together. That way they could not, you know, well, <laughs> that way they could talk. They could decide on who is the one we're going to send to go get Benjamin. And the three days, three days, that shows us none of them wanted to be the one to go do it. None of them wanted to bring such evil on their dad. Joseph is giving them a taste of the suffering that he had for so long. At some point, it seems like they repented for the evil they did. And, and they asked Joseph to forgive them. Right? Verse 18. And Joseph said unto them, The third day, this do and live, for I fear God. And Joseph said unto them the third day, Joseph, he really wanted to see his brothers, but he's acting like he was just doing his job. He saw that they could not agree on who should we send. So he felt that, you know, he, he would back off on that last order. Right? He would give them another one. He says, this do and live. What he's doing is he's saying, do what I am about to say. If they did it, then it would save their lives. And then the verse, and then, and then Joseph says this. It's very important. Listen. For I fear God. He's telling them that he's not going to be unjust. He's not going to be cruel. Now, think about this. For I fear God. You would think that them hearing that would have gave them some idea of who he was. At this point, I'm about to move my microphone so you're going to hear some noise. At this point, they're among Gentiles. They're in Egypt. There would have been a few of them that feared. There would have been very few of them who feared God. They only saw it as, you know, they could expect the brothers, that is, that they could expect equitable dealings by him. You see, even though Joseph wasn't a great high position, he understood and he showed that there was one even higher than him, one that he was accountable to. Now watch what he says in the next couple of verses because he'll, you'll see he starts it with, if ye be true men. He only assesses them at face value when he calls them to respond. But, but he, still, he still asks for a hostage, doesn't he? Verse 19. Look at, look at verse 19. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the famine to your houses. Right there, you see it? If ye be true men. If you are who you say you are, he says, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. He's telling them to, 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 to discuss among themselves. 
Which one of you is willing to stay here in the prison? The rest of you, you get to go free. He says, go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. He's dealing with them kind of harshly here. (laughs) But you see, he gets knowledge of his family. He gets to see his brother. But he's still concerned with them and their family. He didn't want them suffering, right? He didn't want them suffering because of the famine. He was not willing to detain them any longer either. He wanted to get them, give them their supplies and get it down to, to his family, or I should say up to his family quickly, back to his dad, back to their families. And then verse 20 we read, But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die, and they do so. Joseph is still talking here, okay? I'll make that very, very clear. And he says this, But bring your youngest brother unto me. Meaning, you know, after they go back, and they, they come back to Egypt to get more corn, right? And he says, so shall your words be verified. When they bring back Benjamin, that would prove their truth, that they're, that they're telling the truth. That they didn't have any ill will, to, or any ill design, I should say, for Egypt. That they really did come there to buy grain, or as the Bible calls it, corn. He says, and ye shall not die. The thing is, they, they kill spies. Because if they didn't kill the spies, they were in danger. They were a danger to them, right? That was a custom in all the nations at that time. That is one of the things I really liked when I read uh, The Anointed by Greg Baker. He incorporated that into his book, The Killing of Spies. Anyway, Joseph says, and they did so. They chose a brother to leave there. And they took the grain home to their families in Canaan, and then they brought Benjamin back to Egypt. To you and me, this seems cruel. But we, we should not forget what the brothers did to Joseph. And, and what he's doing is not vengeance. He's doing this to teach them a lesson. He, he's in a dungeon for, you know, he was in a dungeon himself for three years. Joseph only gave them three days, and the fact that he sent corn shows that he cares for the family. I still think that they should have recognized him when he said, I fear God, but they weren't expecting Joseph, or that they would even see Joseph at all, right? Verse 21, And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when we besought him, I'm sorry, when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And they said one to another. This means that while Joseph is still standing there, they're still in prison. We see them say this, We are verily guilty concerning our brother and that brother there is of course talking about joseph they sold joseph into slavery they assumed that he was dead that he probably was worked to death 
And now, now that they were in trouble, they thought of what they had done, how guilty they were. Even though it was so long ago, it, it was still in their memory. It was heavy on their conscience. Now, all of you who, who are believers and have not turned to Jesus, who also go, yeah, but it was when I was a kid, or it was so long ago with sin, that doesn't make it any less offensive to God or on your conscience. We see it all the time, don't we? It's revived in our memory. It's aggravated by what, what has happened. Right? Look at what they say here. In that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. When they sold, Jesus, when they sold Joseph to those Midianites, they hardened their hearts. Look at Genesis chapter 37 Verse 28 and 29. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they bought, brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. But even though they hardened their hearts, they didn't forget. They're remembering him. They're remembering Joseph pleading with them, with his eyes full of tears and terror as he was being dragged away to become a slave. And Reuben, he remembers them, he reminds them here of the warning that he gave them at that time. Joseph was in agony. I'm sure his limbs were trembling, his lip was quivering, his eyes were probably full of tears as they stripped him of his coat. He probably was begging them, don't put me in this pit. Don't leave me here. Don't, you know, don't, don't put me in the hands of these Midianites. You know, they're, they're going to sit. He wanted them to, he's probably begging them, just send me home. Did they listen? No. They plugged their ears. They, they squeezed their eyes closed as he was crying. They hardened their hearts. We read this, therefore is this distress come upon us. They got equal measure for what they did. They threw, they cast Joseph into a pit. He put him in prison. They didn't listen to his cries or look at his tears. It didn't move them to pity. And now here he was giving it back. He did his best to make it appear that he was showing them no compassion. I think the way he made them feel brought all those memories flooding back. They realized that this was their punishment for what they did to Joseph. Remember, they did not know this was Joseph. This right here is a picture of what I tell people. The first step in salvation is conviction. When you feel that dread on your heart that you really are a sinner, if you want to be forgiven, you have to have contrition. 
You have to feel it in your heart to know how horrible it is. Verse 22. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Look at that. Reuben answered them, it says. Again, I want to remind you, Reuben, he's the one doing the talking here. Why? Because he's the eldest brother. And if you remember, he was the only one that showed any concern at all for Joseph. He was the one that was the most tender, the most careful with him. And the verse says this, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear? This shows Reuben had tried to keep them from selling Joseph when they first talked about it. Did they listen? No. We know that they did, you know, we know that they did listen when he told them not to kill him, right? They listened when he told them to put him in the pit. Remember, Reuben was not going to leave him there though, was he? He intended to, you know, come back later, get Joseph out of the pit, take him home to Jacob. Right here, this is the first hint that we get that Reuben was was with them when they first saw the Ishmaelites. And he and we're talking about selling Joseph to them. We see that what? He objected to it. I think that what happened was, you know, after they talked about selling Joseph and he told them, don't do it. I think that at that point he, he, he went away for a little while. You know, maybe he, he took a walk. Maybe he planned while he was out there walking, he was plotting, planning to go and get Joseph out of that pit. And that he was probably on his way back to do it. And at that point, you know, they sold Joseph already. And he, when he comes back, Joseph is gone. And this, or maybe, maybe this could be talking about just some general advice he had given them to, you know, don't do anything with him that that's going to put him in danger or maybe kill him, you know, and, and selling him as a slave, you know, they thought had, had done this. Right? And the verse says this, Therefore, behold also, his blood is required. And this, is, and this right here is one that I had to turn to the Targum of Jonathan about. And I saw there that it says, of us. You know, in a way, that, you know, even though they didn't kill him personally, they, they caused it. They would, if, if he was dead, they, they would have caused it by sending him away. That would make them accessories to the death. Just as guilty of it. Because as we see, Reuben believed he was dead. He believed they're being punished for the death of Joseph. And right here we see that declaration that he makes. That's talking about the death penalty. Take a look at Genesis chapter 9 verse 5.
And surely your blood of and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of a man. Verse twenty three. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. Read that. Read the part, first part again. And they knew not that Joseph understood them. That shows something here, doesn't it? Something that I personally have never seen a preacher talk about. What we're seeing here is Joseph is standing there. He's hearing all of it. But you see, I believe they're speaking in Hebrew here. They don't know that, that Joseph can understand them. They think Joseph's an Egyptian. They're not on their guard when he, they spoke. And then we see this. For he spake unto them by an interpreter. Do you see that? He chose to do this. So that they would not be suspicious. This also shows us that the Egyptian language and the Hebrew language, they might be similar, but they're different. And it was so different that you would need an interpreter. The two parties, they couldn't understand each other. When we look at the Targum of Jonathan, we can learn that the interpreter here for Joseph was his oldest son, Manasseh. Jarky says the same exact thing, but me, personally, I don't believe that. Why? Because when you look at that time period, Manasseh would have been too young. He, he would have been so young that he might have been an infant. Take a, go back to four, chapter 41, verse 50. And unto Joseph was born two sons before the years of the famine, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. There's no, no way that it's Manasseh, because he would be too young. Anyway, Joseph can see that they have repentant hearts. But he still has not revealed who he was yet. Let's look at verse 24. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and, command, and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Look at that right there. Look at this. And he turned himself about from them and wept. Now, I, I've spoken before about this animated version of the story that my wife and I watched on the Dove channel. And this part right here, man, let me tell you, it showed the emotions. When Joseph hears his brothers confessing about what they had done, how they felt the guilt. And he heard Reuben's affection for him. This works on his, his own emotions. And he already had a tender spirit. He, he could not act the part that he made. He, he couldn't 
keep like being stern with them and being so severe. And, and we never see him characterized as a man of hate. So we see him here. He turns away from them. He does that so they can't see him. He, he leaves the room. He goes somewhere and he weeps for a while. And after he's wept, he comes back. And the verse says, and he and returned to them again and communed with them. He talked to with them. He talked with them over the same thing they already talked about. You know, they talk about some corn to Canaan and stuff like that. Bringing back Benjamin. He promises them a free ticket in the land of Egypt, right? And we see here, in, and we see in verse 34 that we see this. And, and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. He, he, he didn't keep Reuben, right? He kept Simeon, the oldest brother, who who took part in the crime that they perpetrated against him, right? You can read that back in chapter 37, verses 21 to 31. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him, right? And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Right there, it's talking about the, how Reuben was going to take him out of the pit and, and bring him back home. Then verse 23, And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, lifted up their eyes, and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery bomb myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Right? 29. And Reuben, Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren, and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, killed a kid, and the goat, and dipped the blood, of, and dipped the coat in the blood. Now, we saw right there, Simeon was the one who was the most cruel, the most hard-hearted among the brothers. And then when you look at what happened to Shechem. He's the most bloodthirsty. And according to Jarkey, Simeon was the one that said to Levi, when he saw Joseph coming up, behold, this dreamer cometh. And Simeon was the one that cast him into the pit. Now, when you go into the Targum, it also says that Simeon was the one that wanted to kill Joseph and that Joseph might ca you know, cast fear on him as a hostage. Not only because he was the most evil, but, but also 
he 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 might have seen him as you know being less concerned and, and not humble. You know, as much from the evil that he had done. Don't forget this either. Simeon most likely was not as favored, if you will, after all that, you know, mess with Shechem. So that was another reason to detain him. And that also is not to even mention, you know, he, he probably would have argued all the way back to Canaan for them not to bring Benjamin to Egypt. Joseph really wanted to see his little brother. Notice also that Joseph has, has him bound. You know, he does it while they're still there. You know, this was another thing done to do what? To, to strike terror in them. To let them know what would happen if they do not do what he says. And again, again, this would humble them because of the sin that they're guilty of. They leave with that on their minds. And if Jarky is right, he would have released him after they left and, you know, gave him some food and drink. Maybe gave him a little bit of freedom, you know, uh, using him in a mild and gentle way. Joseph was a good man. He couldn't contain himself. He had compassion. He had great compassion. These are his brothers. But... He wanted to teach them a lesson. Remember, he left that room for why? He left it so that he, could, he, he didn't want them to see him cry. Right? Verse 25. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn, to restore every man's money into his sack, and to give them provision for the way, and thus did he unto them. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn. Well, this was what they came down there for, right? I'm getting a drink, sorry. I haven't talked this much in a while. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Uh, so Joseph, you know, he filled their sacks with corn. And the verse goes on to say, and to restore every man's money into his sack. That right there. This is one thing where I got to tell you what I think. This is the money that was paid by them for the corn. Okay. Notice this. It does not say it was put in their hands. It's saying that it was put into their sack and it was done privately. They didn't even know about it. The verse says, and to give them provision for the way, you know, give them what they need. Give them, you know, what their cattle will need to carry the corn back home. The verse says, and thus did he unto them. This is Joseph, but he didn't do it himself. He had his steward, steward or his deputy go do it. Whoever that servant was that he gave the orders to, he went and, and, and did it. And then verse 26. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And they laid their asses with the corn. If you've listened to me long enough, you know that asses were sometimes called cattle. And these asses were something that were, were, was fit to carry a burden. That's why they were called a beast of burden. There's no doubt in my mind that each one of them had at least one. 
And then the verse says, and departed thence, meaning they left Egypt. They headed back towards Canaan. They left Egypt where Joseph was, headed towards Canaan where Jacob and Benjamin were. Right? Verse 27. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. So it says, and as one of them opened his sack. You might be asking, like I always do, who was it? So I went through all the sources, and according to the, the, the only one I think, I found this in the Targum of Jonathan, uh, and Jarky agrees with him here, that it was Levi. But Aban Ezra, he disagrees here. Uh, Aban Ezra says that it was Reuben, who, who, and remember, Reuben was the firstborn. So we'll go on. The verse says, to give his ass provender in the end. Now, this was probably the first night after they left. Uh, and why, why do I say that? Because a good man will always, he will always take care of the beasts. You know, he'll take care of them as, just as well as he will himself, right? And in the Bible, we usually see them do that first. Uh, and then we see this. He has spied his money. The money that he used to pay for the corn. And, and then it says this. For behold, it was in the mouth, in his sack's mouth. That means that when he opened it up, it was laid right there on top. Okay? Verse 28. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their hearts failed them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? Notice that right there. That, that's the part that, I, that every time I read this catches me. God hath done unto us. This is their guilty conscience. Their, their fear that God will come after them. Okay? Um, notice this time it's in response to the money. The money that they had spent on the grain. It's in the sack now. And when they discussed that, all of the money was returned. When they discovered, I should say, that all the money's returned. That fear gets even worse. And then we see one of them discovers the money, right? And the verse says this, and their hearts failed them. They were afraid. They're saying, what is this that God has done unto us? Joseph's plan is working. They know why this is happening. You know, reading this, I can't help but think of salvation again. Because salvation is a free gift. You cannot buy salvation. There is nothing you can do to earn it. You can't crawl on your hands and knees down the street in some foreign nation for miles and then climb some stairs on your hands and knees that are bleeding to reach the top and pray and get salvation. You can't walk into a church and repent to a priest, a priest and be saved. You can't pay money to someone and be saved. The only thing you can do 
is ask God to forgive you and put all of your faith in Jesus. Trust in Jesus as you would a parachute. Salvation is a free gift. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. And the reason I think about that is because when you look at the brothers here, and you look at their families, their salvation was also free. Look at how the brothers are terrified by this. They don't understand it. Through the brothers, we can see the sinful and dying world. Through Joseph, we can see how God provided a way to see the way out of our salvation we need to seek God the first step to receive help is to have a repentant heart verse 29 and they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, And they came unto Jacob their father, unto the land of Canaan. I want you to notice that none of none followed them. No one, I should say. Well, I said none. No one followed them. No one detained them. They had no reason to be afraid. And then we see this, And told him all that befell unto them. So they told him what happened in Egypt, Right? And then verse 30 we see what Joseph we see what Jacob said. The man who is the lord of the land or I should say this is what they said unto Jacob. I don't I'm sorry. The man who is the lord of the land spake roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. So they told Jacob, the sons did. The man who is the lord of the land. This means the man who is the lord of Egypt, not the king the deputy governor of the land, the one that had authority given to him by Pharaoh, the man who is a great man. He had power over the land and the political affairs, especially when it came to the corn and the sell of it, right? They say, spake roughly to us. He gave them hard words. He was stern with them, right? He used them in a rough manner. And then we read, and took us for spies of the country. He charged them. He charged them as spies. He treated them like they were spies. He took them to prison. Right? Verse 31. And we said unto him, We are true men. We are no spies. So they tell their father. And we said unto him, We are true men. True men. Upright men. They're not, tre they're not treacherous. They're not treasonable. Either way they live or elsewhere, right? Either where they live or elsewhere, right? They, they went to Egypt. They had no plans against the country. They went down there just to buy corn so that they could feed their families. And they said, we are no spies. They never had been. They had never been guilty of that. They had never been charged by anyone with that. They tell him, you know, they tell their father that, hey, we denied the charges. And then verse 32. We be twelve sons, sons of our father, one is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, meaning they were all brothers from the same father. 
that there were 12 of them because they thought that one of them was dead. And we see in the next part right here, it says, one is not, meaning is not alive, but dead. I feel that it's important that I tell you this because the Targum of Jonathan has something else. Right at this spot, the Targum of Jonathan says this. It says, what is become of one we know not. Anyway, the verse closes out the same as verse 13 says. And the youngest is this day with our father in Canaan. And then verse 33 says, And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. And the man, of the Lord, and the man, the Lord of the land, uh, the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that you are true men. What he wants to what what he wants the brothers to do is to prove they're honest men. It says, "Leave one of your brethren here with me. Leave a brother with me as hostage." Right? Notice they do not say bound in the prison, <laughs> like we saw in verse nineteen. And I understand that. <clears throat> I understand not telling their father he bound him and is keeping him in prison. I understand that because, you know, Jacob's an old man. They didn't want to. They didn't want to upset him. They didn't, they didn't tell him everything at once, right? Because I'm sure that that would have really upset him. You know, it probably would have been just a bit much. And then the verse goes on to say, And take food for the famine of your household and be gone. That's talking about the corn that they, they took with them, right? Verse 34. And bring your younger brother unto me, then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. And bring your youngest brother unto me. This, of course, is Benjamin. The verse says, Then shall I know that you are no spies, but that you are true men. He now knew that they're not spies. That they were true, honest, upright men who, who respected the nation. He wanted to see proof that they're telling the truth. The verse says, so will I deliver your brother. This is talking about Simeon, <coughs> the one that got left behind, who was bound, which they had not told their father about yet. And ye shall traffic in the land, not only for the corn, but they, they, the, any commodities that they needed, Egypt would provide, right? They just tell Jacob everything that they knew. And then in verse 35, And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And it came to pass as they emptied their sack. This means both sacks. The one that had the corn in it and the one that had the provisions for their cattle. And it says that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. The same purse, the same pieces of money, which would have been gold or, or, or silver or whatever they were using to pay. 
The verse says, And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. With this, let me tell... Now, with this, I want to, I want to tell you something. The Targum of Jonathan says that this was, quote, Because of Simeon, whom they had left there, fearing that they should be charged with theft or fraud, and that Simeon would, would be put to death, end quote. Remember, we read that they had opened these sacks once. They found the money there. And here we see that they had put it back in there so they could open it in front of their father. They thought it was proper for them to hide it from him or maybe he would have blamed them for not giving it back to Joseph when they first noticed it because at that time, <coughs> it was only a day's journey. <coughs> That's why I think they, they didn't mention it. I think that here they probably acted surprised, you know, maybe afraid at finding it there. Like like they didn't like they didn't know about it. They they may also have considered what would have happened. Right? Verse thirty six. And Jacob their father said unto them. Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And ye will take jo you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Now what we're reading here is a father who didn't want to lose another son. Jacob could he couldn't bear the thought that he he could lose another one. He didn't trust his sons. They've already robbed him of two. By what he would have, what he assumed was their scheming, and he says, "And ye will take Benjamin away." He felt that this was what they wanted. He 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 did not know what they had, what they had up their sleeves. It just sounds like you know he's suspicious. They're up to no good, and he says, "All these things are against me." Meaning against his will, against his peace, against his comfort. His happiness, even even though yes, they did all work for his good, and, and for the good of his family, preserving it during this famine. You could you could have it say this upon me, meaning as a heavy burden, too heavy for an old man to bear. It could drag him down to the ground. We see that this whole situation overwhelms him. We see him complain against his sons here. I want you to look at something with me. Look at chapter 43, verse 6. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? You see, he was not going to release Benjamin. He's not going to do it. With this verse we see that he blames his sons for what happened. To Joseph, I mean. He didn't know how. He didn't know why. But he knew they had something to do with it. Now look at verse 37. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons. If I bring him not to thee, deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. <clears throat> and Reuben spake into, spoke unto his father. Reuben is the oldest son. 
It was only proper that he be the one to answer for what happened, to offer his father some comfort. And we see Reuben say this, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. This isn't speaking of Simeon here, okay? Because Simeon's in Egypt. He's talking about Benjamin. Benjamin, who they're supposed to take back. The one that Jacob does not want to part with, all right? What Reuben is telling his father here is, give me leave to take Benjamin and Jacob. Or, give me leave to take Benjamin. And, and Jacob here can 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 kill his two sons, you know, Reuben's sons. Because remember, he has four sons. If he doesn't bring Benjamin back, then Jacob can kill two of his sons. Yes, that is a very strange proposal to make. But these two sons of Reuben are Jacob's very own grandsons. That would only make things worse for Jacob. It would not alleviate anything. So this just seems like a a generous offer that his father would refuse. Why do I say that? Because he does not mean for his father to kill his sons. He's only showing that, hey, I will be careful. I will make sure Benjamin gets back. Reuben is so confident that he would risk his own sons, who are just as dear to him as Benjamin was to his father. He says, deliver him into my hand. I will bring him to thee again. He is showing that he will be responsible for him. He will take care of him. And then, the last verse of the day, verse 38, we read this. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Start that off again. It says, and he said, my son shall not go down with you. Jacob gives an abrupt denial. This shows that he was determined and he was resolute. He says, for his brother is dead. We know that he means Joseph, okay? His Joseph is Benjamin's brother by full blood. He's his father's son and his mother's son together. Jacob believes that Joseph is dead. And the fact that he had not heard from him in many years just made that even more probable. And then the verse says, and he is left alone. We got to remember just how much Jacob loved Rachel. Rachel was his most beloved wife. She was the one that, that was his lawful wife, right? He loved her more than anything. And Benjamin and Joseph both came from her. And since Joseph is missing, and, and yes, presumed dead, Benjamin is her only surviving child. <coughs> Jacob says, if mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, this means when as they are on the way to Egypt, you know, it, it, there's so many things that could happen. He could be killed by thieves and robbers. He could die of fatigue or anything. Anything that would lead to him dying. And the Targum, the Targum, 
It only uses mischief of death. We read, Then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, that's something that could be confusing. (laughs) But what it means is that he would never lift up his head again. He would never be comfortable again. Jacob would always be in sorrow until his gray head was laying in the grave. Or to be short, yeah, I'll make it short for you, until he died, okay? For over 20 years, we saw that he sorrowed over losing Joseph. And here are his sons, the ones who, let's face it, he may not know it, but he does suspect it, are responsible for what happened to Joseph, are asking him for Rachel's one and only son. So you can imagine, Jacob was, he was hurt, and he just was not going to allow it. And we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that next week with uh, chapter 43, but I hope that um, you got something out of the day. I hope that, you know, this was worth the wait. I know it's been a while since we've, you know, delved into um, Genesis again, and this 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 one is going on quite long, over an hour and a half. Um, so I want to just take this time again to thank you for joining me here, guys. Keep me in your prayers. Um, and again, down below you'll see at the very bottom of that long list of things at the bottom, I'll have a a, a, a link for the GoFundMe to help with my, my bills um, you know I, I've got to make I've got to provide for my family I've got to be able to keep a roof over our head so I want to thank you all for joining me here again I, I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you and I'll see you all soon God bless you and I love you you have been listening to sermons in the park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill be sure to follow us on YouTube BitChute, and Rumble and as always thank you for listening There's joy for the morning, sinner be still, earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal, earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal, so lay down your bed.